Hello and welcome back to There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm your host TK, a high school teacher and pop culture enthusiast. In this episode, The God of Outcasts. I'm joined by a brand new guest to the podcast, Danny, in a discussion about Loki Episode 5, Journey into Mystery. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me for updates and behind-the-scenes extras at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And please consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the episode. Today, I am joined by a special guest, a brand new voice here at There Was an Idea. Welcome, Danny. It's great to be here, Tara. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for listening to the show and reaching out to me over social media with your thoughts on the recent MCU shows and other fun things like that. And thank you for joining me on the microphone today to share your ideas here on the podcast. So before we begin, why don't you tell listeners just a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, just to give a little bit of an overview, um, I basically work full time in like the media entertainment industry. um, But one of my kind of part-time roles is actually writing articles for a website called comic book resources that's like a little part-time passion job where i get to like you know delve into comics or these tv shows movies things like that so i always enjoy that um i guess another thing kind of related to the the fandom realm um is i did get to do the disney college program as well so i did actually get to like be on the opening team for one of the newer star wars rides so that was a lot of fun that's so um Yeah, it was it was really, really awesome. (laughs) Definitely an unforgettable experience. Were you in Florida or California or elsewhere? Uh, Florida. So I was actually in the Epcot Food and Wine Festival at first, and then I kind of moved over to Galaxy's Edge and Hollywood Studios. Oh, man, that sounds so cool. So, of course, having you here as a first time guest of the podcast, I have to ask you, what is your relationship to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Sure. Well, it definitely goes back a ways in terms of you know, I mean, when as when I was younger, I would I've seen like the, the original Fantastic Four movies, the X Men movies, you know, the original Spider Man movies, and I would say I was like a decent fan. I hadn't seen all of the MCU movies in theaters, kind of more so Avengers. I have a clear memory. It really wasn't until Captain America: The Winter Soldier that I started to become like a really huge fan. And the funny thing about that is that I didn't even see that movie in theaters. Like I had a choice to see that one or Guardians and I saw Guardians of the Galaxy instead. Um, But watching it on DVD, like Captain America and the Winter Soldier, I mean, later on, it was just, I was just really wowed by it. And that kind of started my real love for like Captain America and just the MCU, honestly. So is Captain America among your, your top favorite characters? Oh, yeah, he's definitely my number one. And yeah, since then, I've kind of watched all of them multiple times, especially like even the last two Avengers movies, I think I saw like six times each, which is not common, but they were they were the big ones. So absolutely. So then after, you know, the Infinity Saga, well, we had that period of time where all of the upcoming Marvel slate was pushed back due to the pandemic and everything else. What has the experience of watching the Disney Plus shows been like for you? Well, it, I remember the first time I watched WandaVision and it just uh, it just felt great to see the logo again, honestly. And I really always watch it every time. I never skip it, but it just felt great to be watching another MCU property. It definitely did feel really different being a 20 minute episode, being, you know, you know, longer form storytelling versus the movies. But I was really pleasantly surprised by WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. And Loki is definitely not disappointed even though like going into it I wasn't as sure about which direction they were going to go especially with Loki yeah what were your thoughts on on Loki as a character before before the show came out sure yeah I always enjoyed Loki as a character I think especially as we got later seeing like you know his interactions in Thor Ragnarok I mean certain parts of like Thor the Dark World and especially how he ended up in Avengers Infinity War which was of course so sad but also like in in a, in a sense like a it completed his arc, which was really nice. Yeah. But I just love seeing the growth of his character, the, the relationship between him and Thor especially, and really seeing that in Thor Ragnarok more than any other movie. But I always loved how his character kind of grew and developed in the different situations they put him in. Yeah, and it's cool to see how that has continued throughout this series. So you were saying that you weren't entirely sure what to expect going into Loki, but what are you thinking? I mean... We've seen 
five out of six episodes of the show so far. Have you been enjoying it? What are the things that are really standing out to you about the show or what may have surprised you? Yeah. Um, and I guess just to say in terms of like not knowing where they would go, like in terms of Loki having a complete arc, in terms of yeah. um, just knowing that we were getting Avengers Loki, I wasn't sure if that would kind of mean that we'd have to watch him develop again. But I think they did that really well where they kind of just, he saw his death in the first episode and that kind of skyrocketed his development, his everything. So I think, of course, it being his show, he has he has really been um, just really, really great in the show. Again, putting him up against the TVA and Sylvie and everyone else, um, having him kind of challenge his whole sense of identity, the power that he thought he had, the influence and his like glorious purpose, as, as they keep mentioning. Um, so I think it's really cool to see that develop and to see his identity develop along the way, seeing that it's, you know, being told that he's like meant to be alone and meant to, you know, just bring out the best in others and kind of seeing him break the mold from that a bit. Um, I've definitely been enjoying the show, I guess, especially the, you know, in terms of characters, Owen Wilson is really, really stolen the show in a lot of moments. I think it, it, I guess to a point where it allows me to be immersed where it's, you know, I look at him and I see Mobius. I expected to like look at him and always be reminded that it's Owen Wilson, mm-hmm. but I think he does such a good job. It's just a testament to his acting that I, I you know, I still am immersed and I think of his character before the actor. Yeah, um, that's such an important distinction. Yeah, definitely. And and in terms of, I guess Sylvie is the other one that comes to mind that was a very pleasant surprise because I didn't know that they were going to go that direction. And once they did, I just love seeing her interact with everyone, especially Loki. Um, and yeah, there, there's just a lot of surprises each episode. I love how they kind of change what we think we know about the show. Almost every episode, kind of just with the onset of the TVA, with there being a female Loki, with TVA being variants, the timekeepers. Um, I feel like this episode didn't have as many of those, or that like, shattering surprise as much which i'm sure we'll get into later but i think that's just because of the after credit scene last episode that they kind of like took away some of that surprise that would have been this episode right right what did you think of that decision because i talked about that with my guest last week daniel we i have daniel last week and now danny but um we were talking (laughs) daniel and i about the impact of that mid-credit scene or not what was your take on that yeah i think we definitely could have waited the week i think Especially when I was kind of like thinking, you know, even more recently about like how each episode really had that big moment or that big surprise. I think it would have been, I guess, a lot more like powerful to wait a week to kind of see the beginning of the scene start, how that after credit scene started, which is pretty much what we got. But, you know, without them having to actually put the after credit scene there, just the first thing we see Loki alive surrounded by other Lokis, I think that would have been much stronger to put in this episode. It would have had more of like a, I guess, a shock value and a weight to it. Yeah, absolutely. To, to know, to go the week not being sure of what Loki's fate is and then to start an episode out with the introduction of the other Lokis definitely would have would have landed in a really big way. On more of a meta level, I, I kind of understand why they teased it for the week, get people kind of talking and speculating about these other Loki variants and, and so on. But yeah, you know, moving into this episode, episode five specifically, uh, Journey into Mystery, the title, which is a nod to a 1950s comic series. Are you a, a comics fan or how familiar are you with, with the Marvel comics universe? Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty familiar. I'm not one of those kind of people who is keeps up with like all the modern comics all the kind of newest and best but i have read a lot of the you know the the most famous stories the big events and things like that so i mean yes um but one thing i love about these shows and the mcu overall is that you know being a comic book fan doesn't necessarily mean you know where the show's gonna go because they take like it's not just here's a comic book in a movie form or a show form it's just like here's the all these different characters and all these different comics and i love how you know, being a comic book fan doesn't mean you're going to be able to predict the outcome of a movie or a show. Yeah, that's something that I think, you know, week to week with these Disney Plus shows, there's a lot of discourse around the Easter eggs and especially things that comic fans would notice that more casual MCU viewers might not pick up on or not know the significance of. And there are certainly a lot of those Easter eggs kind of uh, tucked in the landscape 
of this episode of the uh, the landscape of the void in this episode. So what did you think of episode five overall? Yeah, and I was going to say we could definitely get to Easter eggs a little later because there were some yes. <laughs> some really funny ones that stood out to me. But um, but overall, this episode, I really did. I mean, I just I love seeing all the Loki variants. I think they really did did well for the casting. Just all of their interactions together were I know that was the bulk of the episode, but I just love seeing them come together like that. And yeah, just kind of I overall I liked it. I feel like each episode kind of becomes my new favorite with all that we learn and with all that mm-hmm. we kind of see. So I think it's a really like it's a testament to how good each episode in the series is that it keeps like becoming my new favorite in that sense. And you chemistry between Sylvie and Loki as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I felt like it was gonna be a little tough to follow up episode four. Actually, a friend of mine last night, Kevin, who has been on the podcast a few times, he texted me. He's like, he's like, episode four was go- so good. Where do they go from here? And he wasn't sure if he could expect the follow up to to be as good. But with this show, it, you know, it really consistently, in my opinion, has been that it continues to build and it really feels like it's building to something. And, you know, last week's episode, episode four, it did so much in terms of thematic building, the plot, characters and emotional beats. And I do think that episode five successfully built on uh, that those threads from the previous one. And to your point too about the Loki variants, you know, it's really tough to introduce new characters like five sixths of the way through a season of TV and have viewers really care about them. But I absolutely loved the Loki variants that we were introduced to in this episode and specifically classic Loki, who I'm, I'm definitely going to speak a little bit more about later and I also just really enjoyed the landscape of the episode. I think that the idea of the void is really fun and intriguing. And now maybe as good a time as any uh, to mention, what were some of those kind of Easter eggs that were that were tucked in that you noticed? You know, so this one isn't, of course, as confirmed as the others. But I think being a Disney fan, I'm not sure how familiar you are with all the Pixar movies. But um, just seeing kind of like um mobius pick up sylvie in the pizza truck i kind of reminded <laughs> me of the pizza planet truck yeah. um great. who knows what we're actually going for but um and then i think i think my favorite was the the helicopter with the with thanos on it which is actually uh, yeah i haven't read that comic but i've heard of it there's actually a thanos copter that thanos flies around in in one of the comic books so that they threw that in there <laughs> It's really amusing um, to picture MCU Thanos, Nick, Josh Brolin, and CGI <laughs> flying around a copter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's pretty ridiculous. It's as ridiculous as it sounds, but it's still <laughs> great. And the other one in that note was um, there was there was Throg. There was Frog Thor was also in. He was next to the hammer in a jar. Um, so that's also from the comics that there is a frog version of Thor very briefly. Um <laughs> Another thing that was like, wow, I couldn't believe they actually put that in here. Yeah, that was one that when that scene came on, I figured it was a nod to something, but I was very confused about it. I feel like all I've learned about the comics has come from doing the podcast and talking to people who are more familiar with them. And sometimes I'll go online afterward and I'll be like, okay, what was that thing that I just saw? And the idea of Frog Thor is very entertaining to me. Yeah, I had to go back too because I honestly thought when I first like at first glance it looked like some variation of like Ant Man or something or like yeah that's what I thought I saw at first and then I was like oh no that's actually Frog Thor. They call him Throg, is that right? Uh, yeah, Throg. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> All right, so thinking about some of the thematic ideas that have been coming up throughout this series. Last week, I talked about how episode four brought together many of the concepts that were laid out in the first few episodes, concepts like you've already spoke to you a little bit about um, Loki's identity story, destiny, choice, free will, love. And it was asking again that question, what makes a Loki a Loki? And that question really seems to underlie the whole series, you know, in other words, like what makes us who we are. And I think this episode continues that thread. So I think in in Loki episode five, Journey into Mystery, there was an idea about purpose and about change. Yeah, um, I I think that really kind of goes in line. Again, what you said about building on the previous episode, like 
kind of looking at episode four in relation was kind of like catching everyone up, like catching uh, Mobius up and, and Hunter B-15 up and unlike, you know, the truth and the fact that they are variants and things like that. So episode five was a little bit more, I mean, more so for Mobius seeing them come together now that they know what they know. Um, I think purpose was a big one, especially with them kind of just how much they joke about their glorious purpose now, even seeing the variants do it too. Yeah. Um, it's, I feel like it's, in some ways a joke, in some ways kind of looking back at like, oh, I thought, you know, I, I thought I was destined to rule or I thought I was kind of like had this grand plan for the universe. But it turns out that they said I'm just destined to be alone and destined to kind of, you know, fail, bring out the best in others. So I think we continue to like, like hearing Glorious Purpose now versus episode one. I think it's it's a big contrast um, with how far we've come with everything. And in terms of change and kind of going off your points a little bit more, I also think of just the big idea of like individuality in this episode, mm-hmm. which of course goes in line with that, the identity. But I think really being face to face with so many different Lokis, hearing about, you know, their, their different stories, how they deviated, how they became variants, but also kind of like seeing that scene where all the Lokis betrayed each other, where some of them, it seems like haven't changed that much, but then some like, classic Loki and Kid Loki are Loki and Sylvie. They, they really like have changed a great deal. They have, they've seen, they've been faced with what the TVA told them they were, that they were variants, that they or the purpose was to lose and to fail. But I think from that, they've kind of been breaking the mold more and more. And I think that's, that was really seen, especially this episode, especially like with their inner strength of the ending with classic Loki yeah. and with Loki being able to enchant. I think that came out a lot in this episode. Yeah. Well, I love what, what you're speaking to about this changing meaning of the phrase glorious purpose throughout the series. And that makes me so excited because Loki's glorious purpose line from the original Avengers movie was something that just always stuck with me. That phrase being such an interesting one, um, burdened with glorious purpose, right? And it's almost kind of conflicting, ideas burdened and glorious and and just it it's says so much but they never really unpacked it and then this series has been all about unpacking it and i think to hear classic loki saying those words in this episode is really important too and his his arc in this episode is so interesting to me and so well done this is a character we just met this episode and yet he has a classic kind of three beat arc in in here about purpose and about change i think what's really interesting about classic loki too is um you know hearing his story it almost seems like in some ways it seems like they're not necessarily traditional like new characters just because we we do know loki and we do see the similarities in their stories so we can i think that helps us be able to kind of like relate to them and their experiences because like we know what our Loki's been through. So now we can see, okay, this Loki's also been through that or something very similar. So I think that helps too. It does. That's a really great point that it, while it is a quote unquote new character, it's a new face, a new actor. It's really not, we have already projected so much in in our own understanding of who Loki is and how much we care about the story of Loki. So that's a really excellent point, Danny. So I think that, you know, you spoke a little bit to how, Earlier in the season, back in episodes one and two, a lot of the language coming out of Mobius and the TVA was very much about predetermined destiny and the fact that Loki's destiny was to fail and Loki's story was set in stone. And I think this episode really argues that people can choose their purpose, right? And that people can change. So I think that this is illustrated not only in our Loki and in Sylvie and certainly in classic Loki, but also in Mobius himself. And I think even if you want to kind of zoom out a little bit, I think even the characters like uh, certainly Hunter B-15 and Renslayer are also kind of grappling with what what is my purpose, right? Um, but to speak a little bit more about what I really loved so much about the classic Loki arc, he and, and kind of how he operated in this episode, I back in episode three spoke a lot about how meeting Sylvie provided that mirror for Loki, the opportunity for Loki to self-reflect and to grow in his self-awareness. But what's interesting about classic Loki is that he represents a version of Loki that is 
uh, kind of a vision of, of what could be right. Like the, the Loki that has the wisdom that comes with more lived experience. And yet even in this episode, he has this powerful arc of the three beats that really deal with these concepts of purpose and, and change. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, um, it's just a testament to, well, in general, speaking on your point that, you know, they can choose shown in this episode that we're kind of shown this, this more black and white scenario of the sacred timeline of, you know, people must adhere to that. Exactly. I mean, they talk about everything being set for a person, their life's kind of role being sort of predestined. Um, and I think like you were saying, this episode really challenges that really um, kind of takes us down a notch and shows us that, that they can change that the sacred timeline may not be so like rigid as it was. And, and like you're saying with classic Loki, even, after all he's been through, he's still able to kind of choose to do differently. I mean, he did it in his past and even even in his three beat story here, even kind of sacrificing himself in the end, which I'm sure we'll talk more about was kind of like deviating in that sense from a classic Loki or he is classic Loki, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So to, to speak, you know, in, in thinking about some of the standout moments and, and lines from the episode, if we look at classic Loki first, you know, he says earlier in the episode, um, after seeing all of the shenanigans that go down with all of the Lokis betraying each other, which was a really funny scene in its own right, he's he's tired of it in a way, right? He says, we lie and we cheat. We cut the throat of every person who trusts us. And for what? Power, glorious power, glorious purpose, and almost kind of scoffing at that idea. Um, we cannot change. We're broken, every version of us forever. And that's powerful stuff, right? That sounds very much like the person who is resigned to this is it. Let me tell the story of, of who I am and who all of these Lokis are. This is what we do. We lie and we cheat. We cannot change. We're broken. And then there's that conversation that uh, takes place between classic Loki and kid Loki and Mobius. Classic Loki kind of questions him. Um, you know, you're turning on the very thing you devoted your life to, right? Like you're going against your quote unquote purpose and Mobius says it's never too late to change. And, and there's kind of a look on classic Loki's face when he says that. And then of course the scene that you alluded to at the end when he comes in and he saves the day and, and he kind of like roars and says glorious purpose in the end. I just think it's so, it's so well done. It really spoke to me. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Especially, um, I think this was right after all the shenanigans with everyone betraying each other that Kid Loki kind of responded to Classic Loki and said, like, yeah, and then every time we try to change, they kind of, you know, erase us or stop yeah. us. Um, so I guess that that definitely plays into it, too. The, you know, Classic Loki story was really tragic hearing about him just wanting to live in isolation and then wanting to go back with his family and the TVA didn't approve of that, but didn't kind of fit in line with their version of his destiny. So I think... Um, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with your point that he is, you know, like a, a look in the future for our Loki to kind of be like, this is what could happen. This is what, you know, they did to someone. This is someone who kind of just resigned themselves to, to what they were told about their destiny in a sense. I mean, I know he does make that sacrifice, but but yeah, he also didn't want to leave the void. He also kind of got accustomed to just being there, just accustomed to his fate there. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting, too, that when Mobius gave classic Loki and kid Loki and I guess presumably alligator Loki <laughs> the choice to <laughs> come back with him, that they that they said no. There's that sense of purpose that the Lokis have. And classic Loki, he's turned off by this idea that Mobius could turn his back on on his purpose. And what classic Loki does in the end is not turn his back on his purpose, right? It's kind of just kind of redefine for himself what that purpose is and to hear somebody else say like, maybe people can change, you know, or what Moby says, it's never too late to change. And then for him to make that decision to, to save the day at the end, it's consistent with his understanding of himself all along. It wasn't him running back to the TVA and, and totally changing his life, but it was kind of redefining it. And I, I thought that was really powerful. Yeah, I think so, too, in terms of, again, with that resignation, you know, that partially played into the fact that he didn't really want to go back to the TVA or kind of go back to reality in that sense. Um, you know, he accepted that this was this was his fate to that extent. But like you said, he wasn't just going to sit there and do nothing. He stayed there, but he also did help Loki, which he 
made his purpose anew, kind of found something new to, to give himself for. Which, you yeah. know, self-sacrifice is not common and I guess some of the Loki variants that we've seen, or it doesn't seem like they have those qualities. Right. So many of those other Lokis were so caught up in who gets to rule, right? Just like this trivial, we're in the void and what we do is we survive, but they're, they're concerned about, you know, that you have boastful Loki living up to his name and you have president Loki, you know, pulling all of these tricks and, uh, those to me seem to be the representations of kind of the the quote unquote less evolved Lokis, so to speak. Um, and maybe that's, you know, to, to kind of pull out some of the threads that we've kind of been talking about throughout the entire season. Maybe those are the Lokis mm-hmm. that haven't had that chance to self-reflect or haven't had that chance to build relationships with others, because that's a big part of what's happening here, too, for our main Loki, right, is um, through having these connections with specifically Sylvie and with Mobius as well, right, being able mm-hmm. to to change. Yeah, just to throw in a last thought about those Lokis, it's, it's interesting when you think about, you know, these were all Lokis that weren't willing to kind of like sacrifice themselves or kind of fight alongside Thor and the heroes. These are all the Lokis that ran away from Thanos or got away from mm. Thanos in some way, shape or form. So I guess that that kind of speaks to their character as well yeah. that they, you know, I mean, we don't know that they all fled, but either way, they, they weren't willing to kind of make that sacrifice play. That's um, a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of on the note of the other Lokis, I think just because it was an absolute pleasure to watch my favorite scene was probably seeing all the Lokis betray each other because it was, it, it was just, I mean, it was um, what we're used to seeing of, I, I guess, non-developed Loki in that sense that he always betrays people. Mobius has said it, other people have said it. Um, And I think the funniest part of that too was that like, it was as if the Lokis didn't anticipate other Lokis betraying them. Like they didn't, you know, they were, again, like you said, so focused on ruling that they didn't do that self-reflection to be like, I betray people. They're probably going to betray me. (laughs) They just didn't really have that thought process, it seemed like. That struck me too, because I I think you know, our Loki, who <laughs> we're calling our Loki, and Sylvie, they, they seem to have more of a sense of anticipating what other Lokis might do. That's been a lot of the conceit of the show is, oh, Loki can help us catch the Loki variant because he can anticipate. Who better to ask than a person whose brain works the same way? So I would have thought that the other Lokis would have seen the betrayal coming, um, but maybe it speaks more to what distinguishes our Loki and what distinguishes Sylvie that they are beyond that. I think that definitely lends to, again, like you were saying about just the experience that Loki's gotten to have with the TVA and everything that maybe old Loki would have been fooled by all those other Lokis. Who knows? You know, I mean, he, he came to the TVA and he wanted to rule the TVA in the beginning. And it it was Sylvie who was able to kind of like change his, change our Loki's mind. I'm sorry. Which is kind of her ideas about overthrowing instead of, kind of just ruling. She didn't have that drive to rule that our Loki had and so many other Lokis seem to have in, in, in the void. So I think that's really interesting to see how Sylvie changed him in that sense. It is. And he, he speaks directly to it in this episode when he's talking with when he's talking with the Loki variants and he tells them we're as good at escaping as we are at surviving. And he says, uh, they say to him, you're different. Why? And he says, no, I'm not. You see, I'm the same, really. I'm the same as all of you. And then he talks about the woman variant of us, which was very funny when they were like, oh, sounds terrifying. <laughs> um, and, mm-hmm. and he says, that's what's great about her. She's different. She's not trying to take over the TVA. She's trying to take it down. And I thought that that was really interesting to hear Loki speak to, to put words to that idea that it was not until he encountered her that he considered something other than that drive, I guess, you know, B-15 asks in this episode, or Renslayer asks B-15 in this episode, what drives Sylvie? And, and you know, she says revenge. I, I guess for Loki, the thing that's always been his driving force has been to rule something. And he jokes about it in this episode, too, when he talks about, well, when she says to him something about ruling a, a new timeline at the end of time or something like that. And he's kind of like, yep, then I'll finally be happy. Uh, but I, I think, you know, we're getting the sense now that he he wouldn't. That's not the thing that he wants anymore because he's kind of been shown other paths and other opportunities. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, no, again, it's really interesting to think of like how things could have turned out if hypothetically Sylvia wasn't really in the 
in the show or if it was just kind of low-key going on with the TVA and not being like challenged like she challenges him I think he may have stayed the same in a lot of ways which is again it's it's nice to see that he was able to change and that she was able to get through to him more yeah definitely so maybe that's where we should go next one of the scenes that kind of stood out to me was the scene where they were they were sitting and talking to each other while classic Loki and Kit Loki and Mobius were talking inside I love that <laughs> Sylvie says Mobius isn't so bad and Loki says, or so good. I think that's why we get along. And I, I just like that as a kind of a callback to what he had said previously about how no one is truly good or truly bad. And um, I liked that line. But what did you think about the conversation between Loki and Sylvie and this idea about their Nexus event and the connection that they have? And what's your reading on that? Um, hmm. Well, it definitely seems like it going in like a slightly romantic route um there were times where it didn't seem like that or it seemed like more butting heads as loki's and things like that but it's kind of seemed like more romantic at certain points with the hand holding and different things like that but um yeah i mean it's it's definitely something that's been growing on me too i think as the episodes go on because i think they really do have great chemistry that like you know when i first saw it i did did feel like other fans and other people that were just kind of like oh I don't, I don't know what to do with this if this kind of <laughs> is it you know if this happens because they're technically both Lokis in that sense but I mean I guess the more you see how different they are it makes them feel less like the exact same person <laughs> and more like you know yeah. different in, in that sense so so seeing their chemistry um kind of as they have more and more interactions I just I, I do like their dynamic a lot and I think it's it was very well done and well written in that sense and in terms of that conversation, I think that, again, not to you know repeat what you said, but it does it is a testament to how Loki's grown. How he jokes about ruling the TVA, how they talk about the unknown of um, what comes next. It's really interesting to look at Sylvie's journey and how this was her plan all along to find out, overthrow the TVA, find out who's responsible, kind of get some answers in that sense. I mean, I'm assuming also about her Nexus event, which I'm definitely interested to like find out more about if they do kind of delve more into that or unless they just kind of leave that as like a open-ended question in that sense yeah i wonder about that too because i definitely want to know about her nexus event as as a as a fan of of the world building that marvel does and really trying to get inside the characters heads and really understand them and i think she's a really intriguing character who i enjoy a lot but i think maybe they they maybe they won't reveal it um in that to a certain extent Maybe the Nexus event is not the part that matters as much as, you know, what came after. And I get that, too. But, yeah, to your point, you know, when episode three first came out and I was talking with uh, with my friend CH here on the podcast, I, I was um, I thought that I was being quite uh, facetious <laughs> and um, like inf- maybe, you know, slightly controversial by bringing up like, Hmm, it seems like they had chemistry together. Like, where are they going with this? Like, you know, of course, Loki's going to fall in love with himself, right? And I was kind of surprised that they actually took it in that direction that could be read as romantic or not. And I, I think you're right that, especially in this episode, it seems like it has a bit more of that romantic angle. And I do find myself not disliking it. And I think... I think it's because of exactly what you said, right? Like they have done enough to establish Sylvie as her own person that even though we know she's a Loki variant, she goes by a different name and she has had these different experiences. And it still feels to me very funny that <laughs> that the person that Loki opens up to and trusts and um, loves in whatever way he does is a version of himself. It's mm-hmm. also something that you know, he's saying, and I think the show is underlining, like, yeah, she she is different. Yeah, I mean, I loved when Mobius kind of called him out on it last episode. That was that was great. To your point, it was just kind of like the initial surprise of it and the initial kind of like, the more they showed signs of it being romantic, the more it was just like, oh, they're actually doing this, you know? But but yeah, as we both said, it's kind of like they've, they've taken it slow and they've built it up enough yeah. to where it forced or anything i don't think i don't feel like it is at least i totally agree and i i actually found it like 
quite cute in this episode when he conjures the blanket and then he conjures it in such a way that it covers her as well. Like it, it was, <laughs> it was actually very sweet <laughs> in my opinion. And just their, their banter when she was like, Oh, was this a tablecloth? And it, it was just very, very funny to me. And, and the actors certainly have great chemistry. Yeah. Just seeing, seeing the side of Loki is really nice. I, again, it, it speaks to development, but we've never really seen him interact this way with anyone. I mean, yeah, we've seen, some nice moments with Thor, but we've never really seen love interest before. These like, you know, whatever yeah. they end up doing. But so it's it's I guess nice to see a side of Loki that we never have with this kind of more soft emotional side, I guess, at times. Yeah, absolutely. And and we get that with his uh moment with Mobius as well when he, you know, Mobius goes to shake his hand and, and he hugs him in a very genuine manner and, and says, My friend and it is very nice. It does show how much he's grown. And he even says that in that conversation to Sylvie when she asks him, you know, how do I know that in the final moments you won't betray me? Sylvie here having much more awareness than those other Loki variants who seems to have no sense that they might be betrayed by each other. Um, and, <laughs> and of course, in, the, in that moment, you know, he, he really opens up. I betrayed everyone who ever loved me. I betrayed my father, my brother, my home. I know what I did and I know why I did it. And that's not who I am anymore. So again, speaking to that idea of change and how he has been able to really do some self-examination and, and to grow, as you said. Because yeah, I think it's it's really just, I mean, and in more subtle ways, just so noticeable in just watching the show for viewers in terms of like, you know, okay, you've seen him betray people in the previous movies and in different situations and things like that. So you think, okay, well, you know, it's it's like, I guess we get a sense of when we, we can tell if when it's going to happen, if he's going to betray someone and if he's still like thinking in that way. But like seeing a softer side, we really see how different he is that he's not really in that mindset anymore. That when she asked him, it's like viewers, you know, I feel like viewers probably had no doubts in their mind that he wouldn't, he wouldn't betray yeah. her at this point all they've been through yeah great point so any other moments or scenes from the episode that we haven't touched on yet um i guess just in terms of again continuing to sort of tell us what we know i, I think that scene with sylvie and renslayer was um definitely a bit informative with you know her talking about loki not being dead and and there being something at the end of the void and and the fact that she was still trying to buy time and distract sylvie but she also kind of threw in some things that were truthful or turned out to be pretty truthful um in that scene i mean i definitely didn't really trust her of course at that moment i didn't really like believe her sincerity when she was trying to be like oh we'll take them down together we'll go after them together i definitely didn't buy that especially after how she acted in episode four so right yeah i definitely didn't trust her at that moment yeah i was um i was very intrigued by it that scene as well and by her character because at first I was like, huh, are they really kind of going in this direction where she is going to help Sylvie out here? Um, but I like how you put it that I think even though she was not being completely honest, that there were these kernels of, of truth in what she was saying to Sylvie and Sylvie even names it when she says like, Oh, you know, feeling betrayed by your beloved TVA. I loved seeing Miss Minutes again. <laughs> Mm-hmm. she's so creepy and weird we haven't seen her in a while <laughs> so thinking about Ravona Renslayer thinking about Miss, Miss Minutes and just kind of like the structure of the TVA what are your thoughts on the big bad here like is Ravona the quote unquote villain of this piece do you think that she is answering to well clear, clearly she um, also has an interest in knowing who is behind all of this um, mm -hmm. so if we take that at face value, then obviously it's not just her, but do you have any, I guess we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but do you have any thoughts on more on her character or on what's going to happen with the quote unquote villain? Um, yeah, I definitely have different thoughts related to that, but I mean, just focusing on like Renslayer at this point, I mean, I don't know. It's yeah. Taking what she said about not knowing, who, who is behind it, I think that was genuine because she, you know, she said it to Miss Minutes when no one else was there. Right. Um, I feel like she knows more than she's letting on or more than she's told Sylvie. I mean, she doesn't know, you know, who's behind it, but I still think she does know more that'll kind of come into play in the last episode. I don't really know if it's like about Loki or Sylvie or about the TVA that she's just not 
releasing to everyone else. But um, but yeah, it's it seems interesting how loyal she is, even after hearing that it was kind of like a lot of it was like quote unquote a lie to her that she still like believes in the institution that so many people have like yeah. kind of turned their backs on already, or a few of the people Mobius and everyone have. Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. It, it makes me curious about her story and, you know, where she came from before she started working for the TVA. You know, obviously we learned last episode, and well, I suppose the episode before, that everyone who's working for the TVA was also a variant. And we saw last episode that she was a, a hunter at first and then somehow became this judge figure. So, you know, we only have one episode left, so I'm not sure how much time they're going to devote to who she is, where she came from, or what is, you know, making her make the decisions that she's making. But it's certainly an intriguing thread. Yeah, no, I think that's um, that's a good point. It's, it's interesting to think of her origins, like you said, because, I mean, is she a variant? Is she not? Was she like unquote this exception to the rule that everyone else wasn't where she, yeah, maybe maybe. she was she has this more intricate origin story than everyone else which if that's the case then maybe they'll at least give us a little something on that but you know it's just like thinking about what is really keeping her so attached to the tva i mean maybe she just maybe the same amount that was keeping everyone else to it and she's just more kind of stubborn about it maybe she just doesn't want to see this institution kind of like come crumbling down um, but it, it'd be interesting to find out more about like if there is something about her origins or about her backstory that, that makes her more loyal to the TVA or care more about upholding it than everyone else did. Yeah, absolutely. Just in terms of standout scenes, I know I think of the ending. I mean, I wasn't sure when. I know we touched on it at times, especially like um, classic Loki's role. But yeah, that was definitely like the other scene that, of course, was very epic and very big. But that scene yeah. definitely stood out in my mind. Yeah, that was a, obviously a huge moment to see Loki learning uh, how to do the enchantment. I didn't anticipate that we would see something as kind of epic as that, where they're both, um, you know, holding hands and doing it together to, to bring down the, uh, uh, Eliath was his name. I almost was just like the cloud monster. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what, I mean, one of the things that stuck out to me about that scene so much too, was just this idea of the two of them, working together in that respect and then having classic Loki come in and do the illusions to build the city. I mean, that looked so beautiful. I don't know what your take on it was. Oh yeah. I thought, um, a little reminiscent of the season finale of WandaVision there when Wanda was kind of like tearing down the walls, but yeah, I thought that looked absolutely amazing. Just the recreation of Asgard like that. Um, just kind of seeing him hold it up against the and kind of withstand him for that long was really, really cool. It was, yeah. And just this idea of, you know, Loki says the line, uh, well, Sylvie says the line, how, how is he doing this? And, and Loki says, I think we're stronger than we're real when that, oh my God, let me fix that. Loki says, I think we're stronger than we realize. And that's just, again, so powerful thinking about this journey that Loki is on and learning to unlock parts of himself that he wasn't as aware of before being confronted with these other iterations of himself i just thought was really really awesome yeah and i think to your point before about him being able to enchant you know i guess on one hand you could almost say that like almost takes away from the individuality that they do that they can have the same powers but at the same time it really goes to show that it is their kind of like differing personalities their differing choices when they branch away from that like purpose and destiny and everything that really matter more than like their abilities but it also speaks to again like being stronger than than they know kind of this whole role of agency that they have over their own lives after they're repeatedly told that no this is your purpose this is your set role this is what you have to do um just them kind of making those choices being him being able to enchant um just really taking more control of their their lives and their roles yeah. in that sense. Yeah, I love how you put that, that the it sounds like the show is definitively coming down on the side of free will and choice, and specifically on this idea of the individuality coming out of the Loki variants, that even though they may be able to unlock similar powers, that they have unique choices that do matter. And that's why we do see some Lokis betraying each other and we see other Lokis making other types of decisions. And 
I think that's great. I hadn't necessarily even considered the term individuality when thinking about this, but I think it's such an important one. So I'm glad that you made that connection. Um, and, you know, I had been talking with Daniel uh, on the podcast and with um, Jude from MCU Need to Know about this series and the questions that it's bringing up about free will and choice and these things and kind of looking for, well, what is the show saying? Like, what are they saying about these concepts? Or are they kind of just throwing the concepts in the air for us to ponder them? And I don't know what you think, Danny, but it seems to me that the show is kind of definitively saying, like, yes, choices matter and make you who you are. And you can be, quote unquote, a Loki, but you're also an individual. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I definitely agree. It's, um, you know, when they first introduced the idea of, again, predetermined outcomes and kind of like set roles for people, it was, um, you know, it made you look back on the rest of the MCU and think, oh, okay, well, it almost takes away from these people's choices because it was, quote unquote, supposed to happen mm -hmm. um, in that sense. So I think it's nice that, and as you said, I agree with you that they are taking the side of free will and choice and being able to like, unquote you know deviate from that set path um which again it kind of like it almost restores the image of like the rest of the mcu that okay maybe the sacred timeline isn't as rigid as it was but even so with focusing on loki right now um it's it's just kind of I, I definitely do believe that they are firmly saying free will firmly saying choice because yeah. um yeah just because of their their purpose them thinking it being one thing, them being thinking it being to rule, especially our Loki thinking it's to rule, and then being shown, oh, I can overthrow the TVA, or I could do these other things, or I could just, you know, kind of go along with Sylvie's plan instead of what I thought I wanted, I think. Yeah, I can change. All those things. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think they all go against what the um, what the TVA has been telling them. Yeah. And it really kind of shakes up the whole idea of the, the one set timeline or the sacred timeline if they've been like, telling people about like it's not that sentence stone. so what do you think is next for mobius uh we, we spoke a little bit about his role in this episode and not to jump ahead too much because there there may be other moments from the episode that we want to circle back to but i was delighted to to see him again here you know i think last week i spoke with daniel about the pruning of mobius and and daniel kind of spoke to well maybe that's it like maybe that should be the end of this mobius character of course I'm a, a, big, a big fan of the character. So seeing him come back in this episode with his pizza planet truck um, <laughs> was really fantastic. And I love this idea that the void is this horrific place that presumably all the variants go. And the reason why we're seeing so many variants of Loki is that Lokis survive where many others would not necessarily have that ability, that skill, that luck, that resilience, whatever it is that allow... Loki's to, to kind of continue to escape and survive the the fact of like seeing him on that level um of the Loki's in that sense of survival you know where he it really shows how different and unique he is that he's even there in the first place yeah exactly and early on in the show you know one of the questions that I considered was in, in thinking about Mobius and who he is was is Mobius going to turn out to be a Loki variant and I, I don't think they've done enough to establish that but i think that you could also kind of uh do a fan a fan headcanon type thing where <laughs> i don't know if they've necessarily done anything that supports that mobius couldn't be a loki variant because we do see him in the void with all of the lokis no, that is definitely true i guess people could still make the argument that maybe only lokis can go in the void so in that case <laughs> theoretically maybe strong enough to survive yeah that that is interesting. I hadn't really thought about that too much, but I mean, you're right. I guess he can be. It was, <laughs> it was a thought. I don't like hypothetically, right? <laughs> like I don't necessarily think yeah. that he is because he seems to have a lot of his own individuality, right? The the whole jet ski thing, the fact that he makes, he makes the, deci the decision to go back to the TVA, I think is an important one. And, um, yeah, and I think I think hypothetically, if he is, then they really must have like wiped all his memory, personality, or something. Because, I mean, I think he really is different from everyone else. That he calls out Loki for how he acts and who he is, and kind of yeah. you know puts up that mirror to Loki. So I mean, he doesn't seem like he shows signs of being like all the other variants we see. I mean, even yes, they are different; they break the mold, but he doesn't seem as similar to them 
right. that way. It doesn't seem like his origins are in Asgard. It seems like his origins are in the 80s or 90s. <laughs> yeah. So just in terms of Mobius, I think, again, yeah, going into the episode, I felt the same way. I was like, maybe that will be it. I mean, it was a, it was a tragic ending, but also a strong one with right after he learns the truth that happens. Um, but as you said, I was very delighted to see him back, you know, to see him among the Lokis and among everyone else and getting to go back Um because it just seems like he still has a role to play and he still wants to like make things right after all that he's learned and, and all that he's found out. Um, and, and with that being said, I just wasn't sure if they'd take the tragic route because it was, mm -hmm. I believe Hunter B20 was the one. Yeah. She was the one who kind of found out she was a variant um, with Sylvie's kind of enchanting. And then I, I guess we're to assume that she was killed or pruned or, or something like that. Cause we haven't seen her again. So in that sense, that's why I wasn't sure if they'd also do that with Mobius. It would definitely sure. be like very tragic, but it would have been very powerful too. Yeah, it's one of those things that when you sit back and you think about storytelling and the impact, those types of tragic endings are ones that can feel very satisfying in that respect. But then as a fan, as somebody who likes to see the characters interact, there's that kind of opposite pull. At least that's kind of what I experienced, like a, a cognitive dissonance <laughs> between mm -hmm. um, a, a kind of satisfying tragic story circle or, or ending um, versus kind of wanting to see the characters continue to come back. And that's very much, you know, to echo what you said at the beginning of the podcast, my thoughts on Loki, right? Loki, who had a full character arc and a very worthy um, moment of, of death and then to know that he was coming back for the show which I wouldn't change for the world because I really have loved the show. Oh, I'm definitely enjoying it a lot myself, but it's, yeah, it's interesting, I guess, just to speak on your, you know, your point a bit, that distinction between, oh, okay, I could understand why this would happen for plot, but also I really want this person to live. Like, <laughs> I guess sometimes it's more obvious than others that like, oh, this person dying would be like the driving force for our hero or something. Um, mm -hmm. So it could have been in this case, but I'm, again, glad it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So are there any other moments from this episode that we haven't spoken about yet that you want to make sure we bring up? Um, I feel like we did talk about a lot of the major ones, especially, you know, a lot of those major interactions with the Lokis. I mean, I, I did just love the beginning of the episode, kind of, you know, handing out to the wreck and the ruins that were like around where Loki came and seeing the destroyed Avengers Tower and seeing different things like that. And I mean, just him introduced to Alligator Loki was, <laughs> that was, that was amazing. But yeah, I think it was a very strong opening and just kind of like, you know, catching him up to speed and catching us up to speed pretty early on with all those variants. That was a good moment or series of moments, I guess. I'm glad you brought kind of both aspects of that up because uh, I also had in my notes that the opening shot of the episode starting through the TVA, you know, with the almost upside down effect, I guess, and then kind of going through the elevator and then going out into the void and seeing all of that wreckage. I thought that was really beautifully done. And Alligator Loki mm -hmm. was also a standout for me. I really enjoyed <laughs> when they were making the, the, the shark and the shark tank, you know, banter and alligator Loki growls and, and classic Loki says there's no such thing as an alligator tank besides it's a better metaphor and he tells um, he tells Loki he's overly sensitive like the rest of us <laughs> I thought that was great <laughs> and I mean later when he like bites off um, President Loki's hand yes. I was like oh okay <laughs> that was great and oh I guess another moment since he brought it up again with that whole beginning series of scenes um, when, when Kid Loki kind of just Dropped the bombshell of like, oh, I killed Thor yes. in my reality. Oh, wow. Yes. I had this moment where I was like, well, you know, I keep reading that it, it sounds like they're going to set up the quote unquote young Avengers and we're getting, you know, mm -hmm. Billy and Tommy and Patriot and these characters and who, yeah, Kate Bishop, right? Like these characters who were introduced or will be introduced in the shows. And then there's Kit Loki. And then I was like, well, I, I'm seeing these other kid avengers as as being you know quite heroic and all of these things and like what do you do with a kid on the team who killed thor as a child yeah. um that's pretty extreme i didn't think about that as much but yeah that <laughs> is fair that's definitely worth betting the team when you have someone who's kind of 
killed one of your heroes <laughs> and killed a hero in their timeline. Um, um, but maybe there's yeah. more to that story. I, I mean, maybe maybe that's yet to be seen, the circumstances under which that happened. Um, For all we know, maybe Thor was quote-unquote evil. Or, of course. You know, yeah. Loki wasn't necessarily to blame in that sense. It's interesting to think of all the possibilities. Of course, we'll probably never find out most of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but when you're playing with the, that idea of different timelines, of course, anything is is possible. Yeah, and I think, I think just to comment on Young Avengers real quick, it's like, it's funny thinking again about how, um, like, Kid Loki is here in the void, and he chose to stay here, and he's kind of just hang out here. But I think when you think of the multiverse, it seems very easy to imagine them kind of like bringing all these other people from all these other different parts of the world or reality, and like. You know, Wanda's kids, um, just the fact that they technically don't exist right now in, in the strictest right. sense. Uh, thinking of the multiverse, I feel like you could picture them all being brought together in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of, of potential there. So speaking of potential, I suppose, next week is the finale of Loki. So going into next week, what's on your mind? What questions do you have or any predictions that you want to make about what we're going to see in the finale? Um, yeah, sure. And I know we already spoke about kind of like Sylvie's Nexus event, whether we will see any more, whether mm. we won't, I guess, like you said, and I can kind of understand that maybe from a narrative point, we won't really see any more because it's not necessarily the most pressing issue, I guess, at the time. It would give a little more like context and emotion to her, but like still, it's not as pressing as like finding out who created the TVA, which I'm assuming we would find that out for sure. I'm kind of. <laughs> Putting my money on that one above everything else. Um, whoever did it is kind of, I don't know. I mean, I speak about like comic inspiration and I don't know if you've heard or how familiar you are with, with Kang the Conqueror. Um, mm -hmm. Talk of him that seems to go in line with what I've heard of him from the comics or what I know of him, but it also could be another Loki for all we know. Could be someone completely unexpected. I mean, it, it this is the kind of show and situation where I feel like you know, as opposed to like the power broker last season, they didn't really have to do much to like establish that, like who this was, because right. it seems like whoever it is, is probably just going to carry on in another series, or maybe not, maybe there'll be a one shot, and they'll kind of defeat them and move on. But I, I feel like they'll just be like, in another movie or in another series, whoever it is. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I, I've been thinking too about how much this Loki series, knowing that this is one, if what I've read online is correct, um, and maybe it's not, but that they have already established that there will be a second season of it, whereas the other shows, it seems like there likely won't be. I mean, I don't know how you do a second season of WandaVision. I don't really know how you do a second season of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? It seems like that would... Yeah, and with the movie, the movie too. Right. Captain America 4. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, but with this one, if, if what is out there is true that they would be another there would be another season it kind of changes what this show can do in its finale next week as opposed to what the other shows did and i think you know largely the narrative that's out there is that the finales of wandavision and falcon and the winter soldier didn't really land as well as people were expecting and maybe some of that is just a lot of the expectations that people had uh some of which may have been unfair expectations based on speculation uh some of which maybe were was totally valid expectations that that people felt let down about but regardless it, the messages that kind of came out of how wandavision and falcon wrapped up were very much kind of like no like yes these things are connected to the larger mcu universe but you're not necessarily going to get a cameo or some somebody that connects to what we're seeing down the line like i think people were kind of waiting for like that Thanos moment, right? The, all right, I'll do it myself in the mid-credits kind of thing, right? And I think, you know, WandaVision chose to be like, nope, it was Agatha all along, right? And Falcon Winter Soldier was like, your power broker is Sharon. She's one of the characters in the episodes. We weren't going to introduce anybody new, although they did introduce Val, um, who kind of brings in a larger thing. But with this yeah. show, I think to your point, like, I, I feel like this show, as much as it is a contained story... A well, one that is well done. I think that I would not be shocked if this is the show that breaks that mold a little bit and does do more of that. Why don't we introduce Kang here? Not as 
somebody who you needed to know about throughout the series if you weren't a comics fan and don't know that this person is coming. Or in my case, not necessarily somebody who read the comics, but somebody who's tapped into these conversations and speculation, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But maybe more as just kind of like... A th- like like I said that Thanos moment of, in the mid credits kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe they'll do it. Maybe they won't. Yeah, I think, um, and I don't know how much this factored into the people's perception of the Wandavision finale, but I think not to speak, but just to mention that I think the second to last episode was just so strong and so emotional, and yes. that led to it too. But I think, I think like people, and and I even thought that this could have happened with the finale was maybe show up in the multiverse. You know, maybe right. we'll see that um and and it didn't happen they didn't take that route of course but i think i i I don't know how much money i want to put on this but i feel like it makes a lot more sense for it to happen in this case you know for all their talk about timelines and and one rigid universe and one rigid way to do everything i think this you know and then the talk of like someone being behind it all someone orchestrating this timeline i think i think this would be the show to actually open the multiverse a little bit, kind of like maybe they, however it happens, maybe they overthrow whoever it is, or at least make them flee or, you know, give up control and then kind of it's more chaos or it's more Mm -hmm. like it opens different branches. Um, I think it makes more sense here. And I think it it did in WandaVision in retrospect, but whether we'll get it specifically that, I mean, I'm not sure. I just know it definitely would fit better here. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. Well, regardless, I'm very excited to see what unfolds with the finale. Yeah, no, I'm I'm interested to see what happens with the TVA, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I think whether they'll be destroyed or whether they'll at least kind of go through some major remodeling at that point. I don't think whether the multiverse happens in the finale or not, we know it's coming. So I don't think the TVA, whatever happens to them, I don't think they're going to have as much like influence and control as they have in mm. the past. I'm intrigued by that, too. And with only one episode left, I wonder how much do we do we see Mobius, quote unquote, burn it down or do we see? I don't know. I don't know. I I imagine that the structure next episode is going to have to balance Mobius, Renslayer, maybe Hunter B-15 over at the TVA, maybe some more Miss Minutes. And then whatever is going to happen with Loki and Sylvie as they approach what's beyond the void. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm curious if those things come back together again, but I'm not I'm not sure if they will because it seems like we got a goodbye between Loki and Mobius. That was pretty final. Yeah, I guess the only other thing to think is if like if Renslayer actually does catch up to them somehow, you know, that that mm-hmm. could be a possibility, but but otherwise I think like you said that they might try to keep them separate and not have like it seems like the reveal and and everything that that'll happen with Loki and Sylvie will probably be enough and be like a handful on its own. So maybe yeah. they'll just kind of want to stick to that more, keep yeah. them separate. I guess we shall see. And before we wrap up our conversation today, Danny, do you have any other things on your mind? Anything that we didn't touch on? Um, not that comes to mind right now. Again, just as a an overall. I've, love seeing all the variants i think they made the most of their time with this episode with again like you said making making us feel for people that we saw for 30 40 minutes you know or less with their total screen time and i think that was really well done i think um the episodes keep getting better and i'm i'm excited to hopefully see this one um i guess break the mold for you know those bigger shattering events for the finale maybe or whatever happens just to kind of like it being a nice close to the season because um, yeah, just another thought on what you mentioned, if there is a season two, which would be interesting, I could definitely see that being about Sylvie or about another Loki and Tom Hiddleston kind of being done. I feel like he's, he's just one of the oldest ones at this point in the MCU. So I I think, I don't know. I feel like they would phase him out like they're doing two other characters, but I guess we'll see about that too. (laughs) We will. And Danny, you know, it was a pleasure talking to you about Loki today, and I I can't thank you enough for your continued support of the podcast. And as I said, for making that connection with me through social media, for listening and and then kind of crossing that bridge into being a participant in this project. And it was really super fun. And I I hope to be able to speak with you again. And I appreciated all of your your insights and, and thoughts here. It was it was really a pleasure. This is our first time speaking 
not through texting through Instagram. And, uh, and yet it felt like a very fun and easygoing conversation. And I really appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm really grateful to be here. And I just feel like, you know, um, I guess it's easy to feel that kind of smooth going conversation when we have as much to talk about with the MCU and with, with Loki so far. So yes, it's rich. It's a rich well of, of content and exciting ideas. Before we, we go today, do you have any projects or anything that you'd like to promote? Um, well, as I mentioned, I, did, I do write articles um, for comic book resources for that website. In terms of other projects, I believe I'd mentioned to you, but I'm still working on like a, you know, a pop culture type blog where it's like all about big focus on Marvel, Disney, things like that, and kind of like the lessons and, and inspiration, different things like that you can get from it. It's just been a bit busy lately with a, a move coming up. So that hasn't been out yet, but I'll definitely keep you posted on that. Please do because your your insights are really, really intriguing and well thought out. And I would love to support your work going forward as well. So thank you again, Danny. And I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Yeah, that sounds great, Tara. Thank you so much again for having me. And we'll definitely talk about the finale. <laughs> If you enjoyed this conversation about episode five of Loki, you can follow the podcast at an idea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Artwork was designed by Brooke Pender, who you can follow at Bpender Illustrations on Instagram. Music by Demeter Salvia, who you can find on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week to hear my guest of the week and I dig into the big ideas of the finale of Loki.